Hello, hello, hello. What's up? This is Aiden Jones. You listen to Sitting Under a Tree, Tuesday, the 4th of February, 2020. Zero, zero. Uh, it's the day before my birthday. Fucking hell, bro. Fucking hell. Shit, man. That is fucking crazy. Oh my god. I listened to, uh, <laughs> I listened to some podcast. Um, like a fucking, a couple of weeks ago and it was like a podcast where the dude comes on and listens to someone else's podcast and like writes it. Like, so he talks about the sound quality and, and, ma, 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 and, uh, <laughs> he listens to a fucking episode of Come Down, <laughs> which if you don't know the Come Down podcast, I mean... You may or may not lie. It's not even... I don't know. It's a fucking... I find it so funny, but um, <laughs> whatever. It's not for everyone. Um, it's three... The way I explain it to people is it's three white comics from New York uh, talking about their dicks and calling each other gay, right? And um, that's literally the whole podcast. <clears throat> and... This dude brought like put it on, and it, it literally is just like the most juvenile fucking white boy shit ever. And the guy put it on, and he was like, "Oh, sound quality is not very good. That's one F. Oh, that's another F." <laughs> he counted like three or four fucks in the first thirty seconds, and then he just switched it up. <laughs> oh, and uh, and he was like, "Well, look." There's one thing. Oh, oh. Sorry. There's uh there's one thing I can say, which is if you're gonna be offensive, go early and go hard, and that way you'll make people switch off who don't want to listen to your podcast. I was like, yeah, fair enough. Um, I thought it very interesting that he was trying to apply marketing logic to a podcast called Come Town. Uh, I wonder what that dude would think of my podcast. If anyone wants to, I will never do it. I will never submit my podcast to that thing because I don't think I'm, I I don't think I have the requisite psychological defenses up yet to, uh, to sustain that sort of criticism from someone, you know, but, um, if someone else were to do it, perhaps I would not be upset. (laughs) I'm I'm not going to tell you what the podcast was called. But I will tell you that it does exist, and it is a real thing. Oh, fuck. He would fucking tear me to shreds, I reckon. Because that was another thing he said at the start of Come Down. He was like, no direction. And I was like, well, that's me out. <laughs> um, anyway, it's the day before my birthday. Yes, man. I, what am I doing tomorrow? I'm not sure. Some of my homies have taken the, the day off work, which is real nice. I think we're just going to... Go swim in the beach and and have some food and just do a bunch of nice shit, really. Um, my birthday last year was outstanding. And uh, it's just Perth, man. This last week in Perth, actually, has been really, really great. Um, my shows have been selling out Friday and Saturday. Welcome to any new listeners, by the way. Welcome. This is the podcast. <laughs> um... Friday and Saturday, fucking both, big sellout shows, man, 70 people both nights, extra chairs, 
I bought, I'm, I'm, I mean, the guy that runs my room, Nick Mortimer, who, by the way, big shout outs to Nick Mortimer for running a phenomenal room in, uh, in Perth Fringe down at uh, the Belgian Beer Cafe this year. Nick Mortimer went out to Bunnings and bought more fold-up chairs so that we could have more people in the show and um, just charged that like straight to my door sales, which was amazing. I mean, they cost like $7 each and I make $25 per door sale, so well worth it. The shows have been amazing. I'm really happy with the way... I'm very happy with the way that my show is developing. Uh, I think it is good <laughs> uh i think it's um i think it's getting to a, a fucking a real good point that i'm very happy with it i keep thinking about it as well which is nice i've learned something about writing a show like this that i did last year i think i was desperately like during perth fringe i was just banging my head against the wall trying to write new bits for the show whereas now i'm like man the shows are going to go how they're going to go I'm just writing bits that I want to write that I'm excited to write. And I've been writing a new, uh, I've been writing bits about kissing. I had a real nice kiss with, uh, with a lady last week and I've written a bit about it, about how nice it is to kiss someone who you, who you, you like and you know. I won't do the bit because it's not a good bit at the moment, but regardless, it's just exciting, you know. I've been writing stuff that's not to do with my show and it's kind of like if you focus, if you focus on something too much, you're not going to make it better. You need to go away and still be focusing and working, but on other things. And then in doing so, when you come back to the thing, and it's nice that, good damn it, why are we fucking yawning so much today? What the fuck is wrong with me? It's fucking 11.25am. It's hot. I'm actually very hot. I'm sweating. The fan, the ceiling fan is on. I'm staying at my mate uh, Todd's house and to Lisa, his partner. And um, it's a great place, but it's 41 degrees today. I mean, what is it outside right now? It's still only 32. Should I be sweating at 32? I don't know. Anyway, I, I don't know why I'm fucking yawning so much, so I apologise for that, for the poor sound quality. I hope no podcast reviewers are listening in to this one. If you are, I promise it's normally better. <laughs> it's not normally better. It's always exactly the same. So, um, yeah, I'm just focusing on, on the fucking show, man. It was driving me up the wall last year. So this year I'm just focused on some other shit and the show is, is getting better. And because I have the opportunity to do it to great crowds every night, I just, I don't know, man. It just keeps getting a little bit better. I dropped a bit from the show, like a three-minute bit, a little, little fucking part that I was unsure about. Dropped it. Fuck it. Kill it off. Get it out. Get it out. I'm really excited. To I now have a cautious optimism about uh, the Adelaide Fringe. I think I'm going to make ten grand this month, ten thousand Australian dollars, which is uh, about four British pounds. But nevertheless, I'm very excited uh, to get that cash, and then I'm just going to chuck a bunch of it on promo for Adelaide, and maybe fucking sell out some. No, I'm never going to sell. I got a hundred and eighty seat fucking venue in the Adelaide Fringe. If anyone listening, again, I'll say it every week now, if anyone listening lives in Adelaide or knows anyone that lives in Adelaide, even if you don't know them well, even if you just remember someone that lives in Adelaide or if you just know about Adelaide, 
tell people about this fucking show, man. Please. 180 seats. The first show of the run is Tuesday at 10 p.m. All right? That's Tuesday. The fucking... Come on, you stupid cunt phone. Tuesday... Oh, God. Tuesday the 3rd of March. So pretty much a month from today at 10 p.m. And I'm trying to fill 180 seat tent. I mean, it's not going to happen. There's no way it's going to happen. I'll be I'll be happy to get 20 in there, <laughs> to be honest. But if you know people in Adelaide, man, please fucking tell them about this show. Um, I'll talk about my... Th- Actually, this is an interesting thing that's happened. On Thursday, I'm drinking peppermint tea, by the way. That doesn't bode well for the pod. Whenever I drink peppermint tea, it's never it's never the same. Never the same as a nice fucking punchy old black tea. That peppermint tea with its roundness, it's got no sting to it. No whip in the tail. Man, last night we had some pizza. Oh my God. You know when you just eat and you don't feel full and you just keep eating? It was one of those nights we went for a swim on the beach. I'll talk about the show I had on Thursday in a sec. Um, we went for a swim on the beach at like 7pm and like I, it was just flat. It was beautiful and still and flat and, uh, the sun was already low on the horizon and I swam out to the pontoon and kind of stood there and did a few flips and things and then swam back into the shore and the sun was going down and we sat on our towels on the beach and watched the sunset as it made beautiful purple patterns in the cloud and the blue sky. And um, and we had been talking about getting food before we went for a swim. So everyone was in the mood. We were all hungry. And uh, Todd and Talisa mentioned this this pizza place. And, uh, and we were like, yep. So that was all kind of like the, the idea was planted in our minds. And so we sat on the beach and we weren't even in a rush. We sat there for like another half an hour while the sun set. And then when, when someone finally went, let's go get some pizza, it was like, yeah, man. Yeah. Now is absolutely the time for pizza. And we went to the place. It came quick. We got back, put it on the table, and it wasn't too hot. Like it wasn't like roof of your mouth burning hot. It was a perfect temperature, two pizzas, Finished the whole lot. No one was, like, hungry at the end. It was incredible. It fucking knocked me out. And then we smoked some weed and sat in the backyard and looked up at the stars. It's, well, that's what I did last night. I ate a pizza and then I smoked some weed with my friends and then we looked up at the stars. <laughs> and we talked about fucking... We talked about, like, how crazy it is that man landed on the moon. And Talisa was like, dude, do you really think we did that? I was like, yes, 100%. <laughs> like, I don't want to talk about the moon landing. Um, but it is crazy that we did it. That's the thing that's lost in moon landing discussions, isn't it? It's like, even, that we believe, even if we believe that we landed on the moon, it's still incredible. Think of, like, I was talking about for every, in every point in human history there have been things that people do where they're like I reckon I'm the first person to do that but you don't know do you you don't know if whoever if you all right if you look up the dude who I just like the first guy 
Let me fucking take my airplane mode off here. The first guy... Okay, Google. Who was the first guy to swim the English Channel? Captain Matthew Webb. According to Wikipedia, Captain Matthew Webb was the first recorded person to swim the English Channel for sport without the use of artificial aids. There we go. I mean, for sport is a weird thing to add in there, isn't it? Why is it... Surely someone's... Did he really swim it for sport? For the glory of sport. That's such an English thing, isn't it? But anyway, Matthew Webb, right? If we take that as as read at face value, sure, Matthew Webb. But, but how do you know? Like, how do you know there weren't people hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago, who swam the English Channel without a boat or anything like that? They might have done. They also might not have done, but it's kind of a moot point. But with the moon, I don't know what fucking point I'm trying to make here. There's always been things in human history that people have done and you're like, all right, first person, great, but you don't know because it's not beyond the realms of possibility and imagination that another person at some point in time might have swum the English Channel. But going to the moon isn't a human feat. It's not a a feat of body. It's not like, oh, there have been fit, able-bodied people forever. That's like we built rocket ships and that technology has never existed like previously in, in... in human civilization, that is definitely the first person to do that. And that's such a huge, insane achievement. It's like that's, you're going to, Neil Armstrong is going to be remembered forever. Who the fuck remembers Captain Matthew Webb? Who remembers the best cricket player? Like, or, you know, the best fucking, why did I say cricket? Because I was looking at some picture of a toffee English cunt on my phone. Like the like Diego Maradona, you know, greatest football player of all time. Who's going to remember that in 500 years when football doesn't exist as a sport anymore? Who's going to remember William Shakespeare in in like 500 or a thousand years when that when people don't care about the English language anymore? But Neil Armstrong will always have been the first man to walk on the moon. I think that's what blew my mind yesterday when I was high, staring up at the stars. I was just like, that's. It's just beautiful, <laughs> you know. I think I'm trying to recreate my wonderment from being high yet from yesterday, but I'm I'm just drinking tea right now. So I remember <clears throat> the um, the girl who gave the like the prefect who gave the speech when I was I was in year eleven, but I went to the graduation for the year above me because my girlfriend was in the year above me, and uh, I remember this girl giving a speech about, you know, Emmanuel College and, and like, graduating and everything. And uh, I thought it was a beautiful speech because she used those words that I just used about Neil Armstrong. (laughs) That's what she said about Emmanuel College. You will always have been the first person to walk on the moon. No, she said, uh, regardless of what all of us do in our lives, we will always have gone to Emmanuel College and we will always have graduated from Emmanuel College. That's something that we've done and no one can change that. And that's just a thing that we carry with us, you know? And I thought it was incredible and beautiful. I, it wasn't even my graduation, but it fucking got me, man. I was like, that was an absolute humdinger of a speech. And my girlfriend was like, oh, that's not the kind of speech you're supposed to give, actually. And I remember, here's, all right, this is interesting, isn't it? At the time, I just kind of went, oh, yeah, maybe. I didn't really have the balls to disagree with her. I think the correct way to be in a relationship is to go, you know what? No, that was a great speech. I think it was incredible. I think, fuck, 
however you think you're supposed to give those speeches. I think she spoke from her heart and it moved me. And if you don't think that, then maybe we're different people and we shouldn't be together. I'm breaking up with you. <laughs> maybe that's what I should have done. Maybe I should have punched her in the fucking head. No. <laughs> I think it's interesting to remember that at that time, I was probably too scared of not being in a relationship to, to just disagree with her on this thing. When actually in a relationship, the whole point is you can disagree with someone and have, you know, little arguments and fights. And they can even be fun. My friends, uh, Todd and Talisa, I told them yesterday, they argue very well. They are they were like bickering in the car just about like nothing. I don't know, about like what street to turn down or whatever. And I was like, you guys will argue good. <laughs> it's nice. <laughs> um Mm, mm, mm. Anyway, what was I talking about? Oh, great day yesterday. Thursday, bit of a bomb. Got that great interview, uh, the great interview, great review in, um, in the West Australian, which sold a lot of tickets, man. Monday and Tuesday together sold 100 tickets for my show. And I'm pretty sure that was off the back of that review. It was incredible. And a bit of an older crowd at the show this week. I think the people that read the West Australian and that take those reviews into account are um, just a bit older. And it all kind of came to a head on Thursday when I uh, sold like 35, I think there was 33 in my show. And probably 20 or so people were over the age of 60. And I remember walking up to the show and uh, there's a little courtyard that you kind of go through the corner of to go into my room. And uh, in the courtyard, there were like three tables full of like retirement age people. Uh, maybe not quite retired, but like people with, you know, a lot of gray hair and and uh, a few wrinkles. And it's, I don't know how to, I don't know how to say something. You, you are old, all right? If any of you are listening, you you were fucking old. And um, it's not even that old people. I think I'm at a point now where I can do comedy to all various different crowds and have it go well. Um, but the energy of over half of my audience being like 60 or so years old, I remember seeing one lady and, uh, and being like, is this, like she looked quite frail. And I remember being like, and they were, all, they were all sitting in the courtyard. That's right. They were all sitting in the courtyard and they were all watching the tennis. <laughs> Which is some old person shit. That's that's some old person shit. They were all enthralled by the tennis. They were loving the tennis, and um, I remember seeing that and kind of clocking this like frail old lady and being like, "Oh man, all of these people are coming to my show, aren't they?" <laughs> uh, and I remember just thinking, like, "This is gonna be a tough one. I reckon this is gonna be hard work tonight." And uh, got in there. And then to go with that, uh, a friend of mine had come with a few mates of hers. I actually feel, felt, felt a little bit bad for her because she didn't get the... I've... Thursday, was, it was the worst show of the run. And yeah, a couple of her friends were just like a little too chatty up top. And I didn't really feel like it was the moment to like tell them to completely shut up because that would have killed the vibe of the room completely. So rather than do that, 
I just kind of let them be lippy and tried to talk over them. And at the start of the show, I asked who was here from the, uh, the, the West Australian Review and like 10 or so of the older people put their hands up. And the energy of the, in the room of like, <clears throat> it was after the show, a lot of the older people came up and said, we really enjoyed it, but we're just, you know, not like big laughers because we don't have the energy, I guess. Um, but the energy of like low energy from the older people and then the people who were younger who normally would bring the energy, bringing a disruptive energy to the show, yeah, really fucking, it fucked things up. And... Uh, uh, my mate said to me the next day, like, ooh, is, how, what's it like uh, playing rooms after this bloody 4.5-star review in the Western Australia? And I was like, well, if anything, if last night was anything to go by, it's going to be uh, full of old people who don't laugh at my jokes. So that's exciting. There's just always something to negotiate, isn't there? Like last week when that review came out, I was like, that's it. Problem solved. My life is complete now. I'm done. I was so stoked on the review, and it's still a mate. Like I'm, I'm very happy with the review, but I don't know. Like it only lasts for one week, and then this week sales are just back to still a great level, but the level that they were at before, and uh, and then with that review comes its own set of problems. You know, how long does this go for? How long does like? Okay, if I have a like if I do this now, what's my dream scenario? I do I have a great run in Perth. I make ten thousand dollars net. I, I my settlement is ten thousand dollars. That's my that's my dream scenario, right? Then what? I go to Adelaide. Say in Adelaide I have a fantastic run in Adelaide and then I sell out my Melbourne Comedy Festival run. Maybe all up I make fucking thirty thousand dollars off of this season. This like you know, from now until until May. And then what? Maybe I get runs at like the Soho Theatre in in London. Maybe I have an incredible run in Edinburgh. Maybe I get picked up by management. Maybe I get to tour Europe. Maybe I tour this show till the end of the year and I'm just like solid playing to packed like 50 to 100 seat rooms. Maybe it's a big show for me. That's the dream scenario. Then still at the end of this year, I need to have also, while doing that, have written another show and then next year it just starts again, doesn't it? Like how do people get people coming back to their shows every year? Because at this stage, I reckon if I have that dream run that I just described and then start next year again, I'm, I'm starting at like barely above where I started this year's show, you know? Maybe I've got a few hundred people on the mailing list in each city. And a few more listeners to this podcast and a few more followers on Instagram, but <clears throat> there are people, you kind of need to fucking be on TV, maybe. Or maybe you can, this is the dilemma that I'm in right now. How do I build a career for myself based on this? Like, all right, I've got a good show. People enjoy it. This is my third year coming back to all these festivals. Great. How do I now build on this? Because I want to be like a like a Becky Lucas, right? She's selling out shows left, right and centre. People are coming. They love her. But she's on TV. Is there a way to do it without being on TV? Is there like a Daniel Kitson? I mean, he's fucking incredible. I'm not... I'm, I, there's no way that I can be that good of a comedian. But is it about the comedy or is it about 
just being smart with your marketing. Getting people to come to your thing and having them have a good enough time and have them like you enough to convince them to go away and tell their friends about it. I had someone on on Sunday leave my show and go, hey, just so you know, all of my friends have seen your show and I'm seeing it now and like, you know, word of mouth works. And I was like, fuck yeah, that's awesome. And then as she left, I realized she didn't sign up to my mailing list. There's no way for her to find out about my show next year. Do you know what I mean? <sighs> I guess that's what I'm thinking about this week. Oh, I've got to give a shout-out to my fucking homeboy, Donica Tiernan, who asked for a shout-out. You fucking twisted my arm here, cunt. Donica Tiernan. Hello. <laughs> mm. Oh, that's what I'll do. People ask for shout-outs, I'll bury it at the end of a bunch of fucking comedy industry chat that probably no one will be interested in. I wonder if people are people interested in that any of that five minutes of stuff that I just spoke about. My goals and hopes and dreams. Are people interested in that? I <laughs> oh, really, I think I'm having fun this podcast. I'm not not having fun. It's not one of the ones where I'm really struggling. But this whole time, I'm just like, fuck, and people don't care about that at all. <laughs> oh my god, me just, me just. <laughs> Me just saying what I hope will happen. Oh my god. Um, yeah, fuck. I don't know, mate. <clears throat> Shout out to Donica Tiernan. I was going to say, Donica's a, a mate of mine who I met a few years ago in the Edinburgh Fringe. And my enduring memory of Donica is being uh, being on a first date with a girl who I ended up falling in love with, actually. Um, and on our first date, she we, like, went and got burritos and had a drink, and then she was coming to watch my show, and Donica and a few of his other Irish mates were doing the show before, and I brought this girl up the stairs to the room, and we were all kind of standing outside the room, and I introduced, I was like, oh, this is my friend Donica. And he looked at her and just went, oh, my God, you're gorgeous, aren't you? <laughs> and I remember being so thrown by that. I was like, you fucking stay away from her. Like, I didn't say anything because I didn't want to embarrass myself in front of her. I was too scared to fuck it up because I fucking already could tell that she was incredible and I liked her. And uh, he said that. And I was so jealous of the fact that he had the confidence to be able to say that to a person. Who fucking says that to a person? Someone who doesn't need anything from anyone. I mean, he had a girlfriend at the time, so I guess he didn't need anything from her, so he wasn't scared to say it to her. But still, terrified to say that to someone, man. How are you going to fucking just look a beautiful woman in the face and tell her she's beautiful, but in a way that's like, I'm not scared of you? Oh, my God. I was like, if I could do that one day, then maybe... Yeah, I don't know. I can't, I can't do that. I'm coming to terms with the fact that I can't do that. That's just, that's maybe something that I have fancied I might learn as a skill, you know, being able to say what you think and not care about what the other person, that's the skill, isn't it? Being able to say what you think and not care, not need anything from the other person. But I didn't realise that that was a skill. I thought that the skill was to say to a woman... <laughs> You're beautiful. But that's not the skill. That's just what he thinks. 
I've been trying to copy people. I've been trying to go, okay, how do I, maybe when I meet a beautiful woman, I'll say to her, oh my God, you're gorgeous. But that's not what I, well, that's what Donica wants because he's a fucking uh, disgusting creep of a man. <laughs> but that's not what I want. So why would I say that? You know, it's so hard to tell the difference between like you see something that someone does and you're like, that's great. I like that. It's so hard to differentiate between like, I want to be that person or I want to be the version of me that's like that person. God, does any of this make any fucking sense at all? I liked when he said that and I thought it was great. And I think I'm at the point now, I don't need to say that kind of stuff. I can just say whatever I'm thinking, which is like, (laughs) I'm lonely. Do you want to give me a hug? (laughs) That's what I... That's what if I'm being genuine to my thoughts and feelings, that's what I need to be saying to uh, to a beautiful woman when I meet her. <laughs> it's not, oh my God, you're gorgeous. Feel the sexual energy that I exude. No, it's, <laughs> it's, I miss when my parents were together. <laughs> yes, there we go. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, man. Um, even like this week, I was I had a a great night on uh, on Sunday after my show. I was just like, I'm gonna read my book for a bit, you know, and uh, went to Universal Bar where a bunch of my mates hang out and do shows, and and my homeboy Kyle Legacy was there, and he was like, Oh yeah, come up and we'll we'll hang out, you know, while this show happens. And I was like, I could do that, and I thought that it was just gonna be like. you know, 20 minutes or whatever. But I still, I just really wanted to read my book. I even considered actually when I first walked past, I considered not even saying hi to any of them and just finding a place to sit and read my book and then messaging them later, you know. But I was like, oh, that's fucking weird. Don't walk past your friends. Don't be, that's like the journey towards being a just fully fledged fucking loner, serial killer freak. So rather than do that, I uh, I went up and I said, hey, and he was like, yo, come up. And I was like, oh, no, I think I might just go read my book. I want to just, I might go to that bar. There's like a bar behind that was open late. I was like, I might just go sit in there and read my book for a bit, you know, and then I'll, I'll like just message me when you're done here and we'll link up and go do whatever. And, and Kyle like laughed at me and he was like, yo, you're one of my best mates, man, but you're a fucking, we're so different. You're such a fucking weirdo. But I was like, that's who I want. That's that's me. That's who I am, you know? I'm, I don't want to be in the fucking bar standing around half watching the show on my phone. I'd rather be sitting somewhere reading my book. I want to read a book. That's, that is what I want to do. I just need to not be scared of that. Like, I'm, <laughs> there's something in me that thinks that I'm not supposed to want that, that I'm supposed to want being around people and... And, you know, all the, all, the, all the women walk out after the show and you try and talk to one and go, yeah, I talked to a woman. I don't, I don't care. I just want to read my book about – I'm reading a great book right now. Where is it? It's called Nothing to Sue. It's, nothing, it's called Nothing to Sue Here. <laughs> it's about a blind man who wants to be a lawyer. <laughs> but he can't do it. The state won't let him because they said uh, there's actually no people to sue in our state. It's not because you're blind. It's because no one is bringing any cases of litigation forwards and he says, there are, I can smell them. And then he uses the power of his, his super strong 
nose and hearing to sniff out cases of litigation. <laughs> and the book is called Nothing to Sue Here. It's a, it's a magic lawyer who... He has no eyes. <laughs> it's just his head is a giant nose. And he's like, I smell crime. <laughs> Fuck. Sometimes I forget that I'm actually really, really funny. Um, <laughs> nothing to sue. Oh, that's good. Um, the book is called Nothing to See Here by Kevin Wilson, who I don't know who that is. I hope it's not Kevin Bloody Wilson. Anyway, um, it's about it's about kids who fucking, they light on fire. They have this problem where they catch on fire if they're stressed or freaking out or whatever. And uh, it's a really nice book. It, it, look, this is the, oh, I'm not going to read the blurb actually, but the blurb sucks. I mean, just that pitch, it's about these kids who catch on fire. It sounds awful. But what it's actually about is this, um, <clears throat> the protagonist, this lady, is uh, someone who was very gifted and, 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 like, intelligent as a child and went to this amazing school, got a scholarship there, and met her roommate was, like, this beautiful, intelligent, you know, amazing chick, and they became friends and then the, the school found cocaine in the amazing girl's, like, drawer or whatever, and they were going to expel her. And her super rich dad came in and offered the poor girl's mum $10,000 to take the fall for her, and it ruined her life, but the two girls stayed in touch. And then, like, 20 years later, the super rich girl goes, I need you for something, and what the thing ends up being is taking care of these two kids that catch on fire. So it's kind of about class. That's what I'm getting a feeling for in the book is it's kind of reminding me of like the great Gatsby like how money protects people and lets you do anything and um you can afford to be like a selfish kind of bad person if you've got money to cloak you you know and it almost it makes everything better I won't give away the rest of the plot of the book because that's literally just the setup but it's so it's really great I'm thoroughly enjoying it and I would much rather read that than stand at the top of a staircase and, and wait for women to go past so I can try and talk to them to make my friends think I'm cool. <laughs> Which is what I would have... That's not what everyone would have done, but that's what I would have been doing if I'd fucking stayed there, you know? If I'm honest with myself, I don't want to do that. So I read my book. Anyway, I'm fucking done. This has been nice. Read that book. Nothing to see here. I think there's a song coming. I don't know what it's going to be yet, but... I'll decide in a second. It's been Aiden Jones sitting under a tree.